Hi, Peter Balker here and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now joining me in the studio today for today's episode is Matthew Hunt, founder and CEO of Automation Wolf. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Peter. Now you're an entrepreneur with many years experience and multiple businesses. Yeah. And you've had both <laughs> virtual teams and you've had the physical office. I have, yes. So I'm taking it pre-pandemic. You had already start. You had already on the business you're currently running. You had already made that virtual shift, anyway. Yeah, and honestly, I, I dodged a real bu- bullet. So my history of this is I've owned three agencies now since 2010, and the first one I ran was from 2010 to 14, and it was a distributed team. Half the team was in Canada and half the team was in the Philippines, but all virtual. So that was the first real business I really built. And then I, I and then I exited that one in 14 and started a new agency in 14. And um, that one was all in office, a very expensive office, downtown Toronto, Ontario, Canada, right across from the Eaton Center in the heart of things. And we wanted to be downtown with all the other tech companies like Shopify and Google and Facebook, et cetera. And so we did that one for four years, exited that in 18. And then in 19, I started a third agency, um, which is completely distributed as well to across the world. I have, I have um, uh, team members everywhere in the world and we're completely um, virtual as well too. But I got lucky in the sense that I exited in 18 as we know what happened shortly after that with the pandemic. And I always look back and said, oh, geez, thank goodness I don't have that really expensive office anymore or that whole process to have to go through this transition um, into a distributed virtual team again. And you know, that's interesting because a lot of people are stuck with that expensive office. Yeah. And you were saying that you're, you were spending like $30,000 a month on your office. Yeah, it was. And the crazy thing is when you do commercial leases in general, like you almost have like zero rights. Like it's not, it's the other way around when you're renting and you are a residential tenant, all the rights are with the tenant, not the landlord. But in this case, in commercial, it's almost always the opposite. And when we had decided to get like a larger space, so we had a smaller space just outside the city by 20 minutes. And then we'd made the decision that we had grown. And the the main reason we strategically decided to get a much larger, more expensive office at the time was we were servicing Fortune 500 companies. And we had a talent acquisition problem. And most of the people that we were trying to acquire, we started running into that they didn't want to leave the city because wow. that the the talent that we were after was into what I call ping pong tables, pubs, and people. <laughs> They're you know twenty at a grudge at a school, twenty five to thirty five, and uh, working in tech companies. This is sort of the demographic that they're after. So we decided to move down there and get the sexy office with the brick and beam agency, thirty foot ceilings, so that we can impress clients when they came. They're like, "Wow, this is a nice office and feels creative and open space and there's a buzz in the air." And we would attract the talent that we're after. It was really more of a talent acquisition strategy. The reason why we chose to do it, and it absolutely worked. However, you know, in these leases, we spent. Mm, geez, I want to say like at least nine months and probably at the time, seven or eight offers all outbid by someone else who wanted the same space. So there was just very low inventory for these spaces. And then we finally got one 
and they dictate all the terms. So you got to buy, get the lease for five years. <laughs> There's all these terms in the lease where your price, like you don't have controllable control over it from like heating to HVAC to other stuff. We had to still renovate the office. So when we got for, we paid the $200,000 to renovate it to basically all we did was rip out all the walls, sand the wood floors, polish up the, the wood beams and put glass everywhere. So it was $200,000 worth of glass, gorgeous, gorgeous office, but a, a small fortune to, to really do it at the end of the day. And the landlord still has the right at the end that if they don't like, or the new tenant that's coming in, you got to pay to take it all out yeah. and make it a black box again. So, you know, having an office is, is a, is a very, very big commitment that sometimes you don't really think it all the way through and God forbid, you know, I wasn't in the business, but I can only imagine what would you do if you're stuck with this lease when the pandemic happens and you have this 6,000 or 10,000 square foot office that's now empty <laughs> right? and you have to pay for it or you don't know if things are going to come back. You know, it's a very, very scary moment. And I'm just thankful that I didn't have to actually cross that bridge and figure out what I was going to do now. Uh, virtually I distributed just... teams, Matthew. Here's the interesting thing. <laughs> you did your you did your first distributed team quite early on when probably technology wasn't at its greatest. Right. And it probably yeah. was quite challenging getting the communication right. And a lot of people tried to venture in that, but yeah. couldn't make it work. Yeah. They gave up and they went back to your traditional in-office teams. Yeah. It's, it requires a lot of processes and a lot of thinking. So even with the first distributed team that I had, some of the key learnings that I, I learned right, right away, which was, especially when I had like a distributed team at different hours. So what's interesting is like when you have half the team in the Philippines and half the team in Canada, they're literally 12 hours apart. What's super cool is you end up having a 24 seven business. So like you, if you get it right and you get the rhythm going right, you literally go to bed, things are moving forward and you wake up in the morning and it's done. Super impressive for clients too. Like if they, you've had a meeting with them today and then literally, you know, they wake up tomorrow morning and you're like, yep, yeah, here's your deliverable. It's done. They're like, what? Like when, when did you do this? Right. They don't understand the power. It's like, well, no, I have two teams, one in the Philippines, one in Canada. They, they worked on it last night and they're totally impressed. However, the challenge though, is anytime you start managing people, the reason why people give up it's really a communication challenge. And so when you have a team that's distributed on different hours, you, you really have to discipline on how you communicate and when you communicate. And so what we learned was there needed to be a crossover in the mornings and the afternoons for communication. And so at the time there, there wasn't actually Slack for that agency. We actually were using Skype as our sure. IM tool. That's, that, that's kind of was the go-to tool. And because we're in the Philippines, that was something that they were very comfortable with technology wise at the, at the time. And so we would, we would, before the end of the day, we'd make sure that we did the handoff and got a, a confirmation from the, from the night team that they got the handoff. Cause not only do you give it, you have to get confirmation because here's a terrible thing that happens or would happen occasionally person hands it off. They start their evening as they should spend their time with their family in Toronto, Canada. And then the person in the Philippines is like, you sent me the wrong login. And then they can't do any work all night long sitting on their hands because we didn't, we didn't confirm like, Hey, are you good? Yeah. Are you set up? Are you, are you ready to go? And, the, and vice versa, the same thing can happen in the morning. 
The other thing we learned was like, hey, we can't always do like a meeting or a face-to-face meeting like this. So we got really good at creating screen capture videos for each other to communicate. And we just fired them back and forth. And at the time, we actually used a, a tool called Camtasia. Um, that was the tool to use at the time. Today, there's so many other great tools that you can use from you know, Loom to just turning on Zoom. Yeah. And there's even a cooler one today that I think looks really awesome that I recommend that people use called Zip Message. So if you go to zipmessage.com, and this is a, a great tool. What I, I, This tool is even better for your clients because they don't have to be users of Zoom or Loom. And it creates a video message that goes back and forth, kind of like a dialogue. And in in our business, so much of our business is not talking. It's actually showing. So I always tell all all my team, don't, don't, don't tell show, especially when it comes to technology, you just, you just really clearly articulate something really quickly. And so we're that, that first business was really built very heavy on video and those screen capture videos or, you know, back then. And my clients loved it. Like, and you know, instead of sending a report or a PDF or an email, I would send these and they would always be like, this is magic. How are you doing this? Of course, today, everybody's used to it. But back then it was really impressive. In 2010, people were like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> oh, and it so, is. And actually that zip message sounds awesome. Yeah. Because the one thing that's always missing is the continuation of the conversation. Yes. And then you see a thread of it, right? Yeah. So that it doesn't leave isolated. So the problem with using a tool like, you know, uh, Loom or something like that, or whatever your favorite screen capture tool is, it kind of gets lost out there and it's not connected in a single thread. And then you can have that single thread with that client that goes on forever. So you can even go back in the history of it and it becomes an ongoing thread that's just for you and the client, Perfect. just like you would in Slack or, or email, but it feels like a little bit more um connected at the end of the day. The other thing we had to get really good at was like, honestly, it was very simple project management tools. And so I tried doing things initially, like the reason why a lot of people fail is they try to do it all through email. That's a, that's a terrible plan. So email is great for external. So email in our company, we only use it for two, two reasons. One's to externally communicate to clients because they're not going to get in a project management tool. Usually it's, it's just too much for them. They've got their own tools. And we, and we try to be very clear and simple in the communication to clients. And then we use it for company updates. Like when there's an official update, like, hey, we've changed the vacation policy. We've already communicated this, but we're officially sending it out. We want you to give us a reply so that we know you received it, right? Yeah. And they reply back with a thumbs up. And we're like, okay, good. Everybody's like, we, we had a meeting about it. We communicated, we posted on Slack. We sent it officially. It's documented. It's an SOP. It lives, you know, in the SOP area. And if people don't know what SOP stands for, it just stands for standard standard operating procedure, boom, you're good to go. Now, anything that's an internal communication though, for us, that's just like a quick conversation. It's either in our project management tool based on each project. So for us, we use workstreams.ai. The reason we use workstreams.ai, it's very similar to Trello, except for it ties in very nicely to Slack and it has right. a couple other simple features. Now you don't need a super sophisticated tool, but you need something that holds a card that represents the project. And within the project, there should be some sort of checklist of things that need to be done in a, in a due date that's with it. So that everybody's on the same page mm-hmm. and all communication that's related to this project should be a thread underneath. doesn't matter what the tool you use, whether it's Basecamp, Teamwork, ClickUp. I don't really care what it is. I find the less complicated the tool is, the more success you're going to get. So sometimes people get wooed by all the bells and whistles 
and they think, oh, wow, look at all the amazing things that this tool can do. All I see is, wow, that's more ways for people to screw it up. That's true. Or not do it because they are absolutely paralyzed. Of course. Fear yeah. Because they're overwhelmed. Both. Yeah. It needs to be very simple and there should be no more than a few things that you can do within a good project managed tool and how's it. And then anything else that's like a quick message we use Slack for. So any kind of IM tool would work, but you could use like Google Hangouts and Google chat or Slack. What I do recommend is though you, is you never use an IM tool that's connected to a social media. So for example, do not use Facebook messenger. Even I find Skype is not as helpful as these newer tools do not use discord because there's too many distractions from the yeah. business for the team that leads into the everyday social time. That's for their evenings and weekends. And not that people can't be social at work, like let them get on social media. It's a part, like it all interwines. It's silly to, to not allow people to do that. And then you have boundaries yeah. by using specific tools. You have boundaries in place. Yeah. And these, the, the, the tools are supposed to make people's jobs easier. It's not to monitor people. And then you shouldn't have any more tools than that. So that's all we have. One project management tool, Slack and email, and then everything else gets stored for us personally in Google drive in the cloud. So, so SOPs, documents, Excel sheets, et cetera. And, and we did that in the first company. We did that. This, this even was the same process we used in office for the second company. So same, same processes, except for we just met in the office every day, right? right? And then this third company, it's all distributed in the same process and it works very effectively, no other tools, nothing else needed um, and you're, you're good to go. That's, that's it. But you've got very, uh, I would say you've got a very organized approach to it all. Yes. And you, you're very much based on outcomes anyway. Yep. So you're very clear. So you don't necessarily need to micromanage. You've got your metrics in place. Correct. With all this innovation, I mean, you take the last 18 months, the last 18 months has been absolutely crazy innovation. I mean, we're seeing it, we're seeing Zoom, that to be honest with you, 18 months ago was a tool that was just utterly shit, to actually at the forefront now of communication integration, and tying in a lot of these project management tools natively. Why do you think it is, with this advancement that we've had in technology and development, that so many companies are still quite adamant. We want you to come back to the office, even though people have been literally virtually working for 18 months. Why is it you think that these companies just don't see that the world shifted around them, but they're hoping to work back to pre-pandemic working styles? Their their idea of success or what drives success is bums and seats which is a lazy way of like driving success and not really a great way of building culture really at the end of the day within a company. So unless you're like a restaurant where you need to be there or there are certain, you know, certain occupations you need to be there. If you are a manufacturer, et cetera, there there's, you know, if you work at a hospital and you're a nurse, you need to go to the office, right? You need to go to the, the, the workplace, but most jobs that, you know, are, you know, based on using a computer, it is, it is not necessary to, to do that. And they just need to change the objective of what they measure success by based on an outcome and then allow people to, to produce that outcome as they, as they see fit. And some people will get it done in a couple hours and some will take 10 hours a day to do it. You don't care 
you shouldn't care which one it is. I mean, you should care a little bit. No one should be working 10 hours a day. So if there's working 10 hours a day, something's wrong. Either your expectations are unrealistic or you need to help them and train them better so that they can yeah. get that accomplished in a good time. But really most people's focused work, like realistically, even at the office, like even if someone's sitting there for eight hours, I guarantee you the best you're getting out of the very, very best, you know, team members is a maximum of six hours worth of work. That's the, that's the best in an eight hour time. Like, you know, they're going to the washroom, there's the water cooler stuff. Trust me, they're fucking around their desk, wasting time anyways. So why, why do you need, feel the need to have to have them bum and seat? So, you know, they're wasting two hours a day anyways, and then you're wasting them anywhere from an hour to two hours of commute. You're stealing like six hours a day of their time instead of just having them like do the deliverable that you actually need to have done. Isn't that what you should care about at the end yeah. of the day? It's just, it's crazy. You know what? It feels like people are stuck in the industrial age thinking and management totally. style in a digital age. And they're like out of time and out of place. It's so crazy. It's a control thing, right? So, or it's a, it's a lazy thing where they think that's the only way to measure success is by having a bum in seat. It's to me, it's really great. Now you get the objection sometimes like I can't be creative and I can't connect with people and I can't build culture if there isn't this belly to belly experience. And, and I get it, you know, there's, there's a, there's a smooth smidge of, of truth to that, you know, like there's nothing better than meeting people face to face and having that deeper relationship. But I don't think that you need to do it at the office, like have a monthly dinner or go to the pub or have an annual retreat. You know, you can also substitute some of these things via zoom by having zoom parties, you know, you, there, there are things that you can do that are very creative that connect you all where you can laugh <laughs> and have some fun and still have that social activity. So I, I don't think that you need to have it every single day to, to build the culture or the relationship that people talk about. Uh, and, and I'm making air quotes just for so people know who yeah. are listening. <laughs> I think the reality is we've got to unlearn a lot of what we've done. Yeah. And learn new. Yeah. But in order to learn new, we need to unlearn the old so if people want to know more yeah. about you and where do they find you? Uh, yeah, sure. LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me. If you just type in Matthew Hunt, I'm pretty active there. If you message me there or comment on my content, I'm going to see it. Or you can swing by automationwolf.com. It's spelled exactly the way it sounds. And you can learn more about what we're offering as a service today. Brilliant. I mean, you've shared some really interesting insights in how you've made the shift. And really, more importantly, where the trend tends to be going now and actually what people need to start thinking about because we can't necessarily go back to the way things were. We can, we can adjust to the way things are and move forward, but yeah. I don't believe there's going back. No, well, we're not going back. No. We've seen that already, right? T technology is going in one direction. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure having you on as a guest today. If it's anything, been fun being here, Peter. Thank you. If anything's resonated with you, you want to hear more, head over to balker.com and get in touch. Once again, Matthew, thank you very much for being on today's episode. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. So please stay safe.